you went online to switch your car insurance to Progressive so you could save money. But then you saw a friend request from an old summer camp buddy. And now here you are, clicking through photos of his kickball team from 2011. Oh, looks like they won the championship that year. Then he moved to Tulsa. Oh, a new tattoo. Yes, they said it was easy to save hundreds on car insurance with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates national average savings by new customer surveyed who saved in 2019. Call 1-888-FARMERS to switch and you could save an average of $470 on your auto insurance. That's a lot of money in just a few minutes. With savings like that, you could be lounging on an impractical amount of ornate and overpriced throw pillows you bought for your couch. But you won't because you're better with money than that. That's why you're calling us in the first place. Call 1-888-FARMERS to get a quote today. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Based on average nationwide annual savings survey data July to December 2020. Underwritten by Farmers, Trucker, Fire Insurance, Exchanges, or Affiliate. Products not available in every state. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Kaiju Curry House, the fortnightly podcast that delivers you a healthy dose of kaiju goodness. Today's episode has been recorded over Skype, so this is just a foreword to let you know that there may be some slight drop in quality from our normal show. But as always, thanks for listening and let's begin the show. I'm your host Paul, joined today by Joe. Howdy there. Alex. Hello. And special guest, Matt Frank. Where? The guy owes me money. Um, <laughs> sorry, I gotta get my dumb jokes in now. Uh, hi guys, glad to be here. Thank you so much for coming, Matt. Sure, thank, I'm. Thank you, Alex, for um stalking. <laughs> As usual, Alex has stalked some poor person <laughs> until they finally caved in to talk to us. It, it, it's it's a sales technique. It's a numbers game. If I stalk enough hundred people, one or two might reply. And I can say, see, see, the system works. It's working. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like dating advice. You know, like look for every hundred and fifty women you approach, law of averages says you don't understand my algorithm works. It's genius. I love it. Um, Matt, tell us if you were... What was that? Guys, shut up for a second. Matt, tell tell us a little bit about what you do. What what is your job, please? Uh, Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, Usually when people ask me that question, a question I start with the joking answer, well, when I was a young boy in England. But now I can't make that joke because (laughs) it's just everybody calls me out on it. Um, No, uh, well, my... um, so I'm an illustrator by trade. A comic book artist uh, is the, you know, the more accurate term. But illustrator makes me sound fancy, like I have a real job. And I, uh, yeah, I'm a, um, I'm mostly I've worked on the Godzilla comic series for specifically for IDW Publishing. I did that for six years, starting in 2010 until 2016, when the license lapsed. Uh, but in that time, since then, I've worked on other aspects of the franchise. I've either been doing covers for the Japanese releases of the uh, Godzilla comics, or I've been doing a couple of different posters, things like that. Uh, I've worked on a number of 
other other kaiju related franchises i i did a gamera a little mini gamera comic uh for a release i think that was last year maybe it was the year before and i also have been working pretty extensively for Subaraya productions mostly on the red man comic series but i've been recently doing some ultraman stuff as well uh i've worked on transformers and power rangers and mars attacks and I did some Adventure Time and some uh, Rugrats stuff, so I've been all over the place. Mostly, mostly, it's my goal to work on like everything I liked as a child. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful because I think that's so many people's dream, but you're actually living that, and you've achieved it. it so it comes with a lot of a uh, a lot of bullheaded perseverance. <laughs> just <laughs> you know, just got to stick with it. But yes, that is true. It's brilliant. Um, Paul, can you lead on our on our regular pun question? Of course, yes. Oh my god! Right, and Matt, before we start, yes. our guests have <laughs> not been great at doing this. Matt, um, oh. Alan, Maxon particularly just did not get the pun, so we're going to do a couple of rehearsals of this. Okay, so Paul, right. can you start off? Go on. Okay, so the question is: What have Kaiju been up to? There we go. Mm. <laughs> I think I got it. <laughs> right. It goes over so many people's heads, honestly. No, I see Matt, Matt's uh, um, a man of discerning taste. You know, that's what it is. More like I've been using the term kaiju in various mm. skullduggery, dumb puns and jokes in my own time. <laughs> so I think I got a general grasp of it. <laughs> that's good. Well, uh, for myself... With a heavy heart, I decided to sell some of my GameCube games. You know when you've got things on the shelf and you think, these are great, but I'm not using them, and I'm never going to use them again. And I looked at my GameCube games, and they've been there for about 15 years now, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to take them along to CEX, and I'm going to trade them in, see what I can get. Mm. But, I got, but I got in 160 quid in vouchers. So, wow. Which I was, I was quite pleased with. And that, that was more like 130 once my daughter spent some money on, on some uh, DVDs for herself. But then I thought, okay, I can start actually buying in copies of Blu-rays that, you know, when there's films that you'd like to get, but you just think, well, I can't really justify buying that yet. And I'll get it at some point. Oh, maybe I'll ask it as a present. So mm. I just got, I got absolutely tons of films for three quid, two pound, you know, four pound, maybe the occasional five pound. I've got absolutely tons in it. I've now just kind of covered loads of fairly mainstream monster movies, but I've got like a copy of Cloverfield. I've got a copy of, let's see if I can get the name right, Attack on the Block. What is that, cuz? That's an alien, bruv. Believe it. And I landed in the wrong place, though. You get <laughs> the wrong place. <laughs> Welcome to London, motherfucker. Oh, Attack, Attack on the Blocks. Block. Yeah. yeah it's oh, really yeah. Good. Yeah, that's good. Attack. Yeah, I've heard that's a good it's one. Good I fun. haven't seen it, though. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it's not I, great, I, I, but it is good fun. Okay, well, um, uh, that, that kind of sums up our genre, doesn't it? It's not great, but it's okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, let, let's be honest, you know. Mm. Um, I, I got a copy of Sk Kong Skull Island, finally, mm. which I'm pleased about, because I'm, I'm getting to watch that. So I basically just packed out my shelf with uh, just Blu-rays, which I'm looking forward to. So I'm quite pleased about that. And um, I don't know if you can call it a kaiju film. It, it's, uh, But I, I really enjoyed the film It Follows. I watched that recently, but that came under a recommendation from a friend. Uh, have you seen that, Matt? Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily it's not categorize that as a kaiju mm. film. But no. it is, uh, 
I've heard good things about it. I'm just, I'm not really a horror movie guy. Yeah. I've just, I, I never really, <laughs> I, I, I tend to credit that by saying I've, I didn't build up a resistance as a kid. Mm. You know, like, I feel like a lot of people who like horror movies, they probably started when they were younger. Mm. Uh, and I was always like, I remember my sister showing me Scream. What do you want? To see what your insides look like. When that came out, and I was mm. like, "No, his insides are on the outside." Uh, I'm not a I'm not a connoisseur of horror films by any means, but the reason why I kind of I, I wanted to see it was because it had been described as just this thing that follows people around and never never stops. Following. You know what that movie is actually about, right? Yeah, it's an interesting take. Yeah, it's it's it's, 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 it's about if STDs. If STDs were demons. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's yeah. literally it's a de- it's a, de- a demonic STD, which is glorious. It's pretty uh, interesting. Okay, Joe, what have Kaiju been up to? Right, so Joe got paid. Um, I went and got Ooh, the hey. three. Yay! Uh, I went and got Ooh. the three D Blu-ray of uh, King of the Monsters. She went around just like walking because she didn't remember like the whole Mothra song, but she just went around walking and just repeating Masuraya, Masuraya. <laughs> My wife nuts. So, <laughs> question for your daughter: Was she was she bothered by the orca as a plot device? Oh, no, <laughs> no, she she was not bothered by the orca as a plot no, device. No, she, she didn't go. I think I think Daddy, she, I think that this is a massive plot hole. No. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny, just like no. having that commentary of a six-year-old watching this, and uh, like Ghidorah was really great. So her remarks on Ghidorah is like, "Daddy, I really liked that that one's gold. I like the goldy bits, but he's very mean, <laughs> which was great. Yeah, which was great. And then, awesome. um, and then the the part, you know, burning Godzilla. Uh, spoilers, sorry guys, but um, the part where you know, like, he's quite warm." She goes, Daddy, is Godzilla going to be okay? It's just really funny. It's just like, I know, but it's really, she was just like absolutely involved. And um, I think the only character that she didn't really like was Rodan because he was being really mean. He was chasing all the people. Yep. (laughs) But um, yeah, it, it was like having that commentary like uh, while I was sitting there, it was absolutely hilarious. And we watched it in 3D too, so she was absolutely enamored in that. But, uh, no, like nice. the whole Mothra thing was just absolutely hilarious. It made my night. My daughter, Emma, she's nearly five, and she's been watching lots of Godzilla with me recently. But we were listening to the uh, Blue Oyster Cult and the Surge Tanky and both versions of the, the song. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at one point, you know, I'm driving along on, on the way to work, and she says to me, why does Godzilla pick up a bus and put it right down? <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know. And then she's the thing. He was getting it out of the way, of course. He didn't want to. Yeah, stop and then him. she's like, is it because he's looking to see what's inside the bus? I, I don't know, Emma. <laughs> what does he eat? It's not buses because he put the bus back down. <laughs> Am I right? Okay. But he eats spinning high-tension wires, doesn't he, Dad? Like, yes, yes, he does. It was, it was just a very dry, very long conversation. With a purposeful grimace and a terrible sound, he pulls the spinning high-tension wires down. No expression on the face, just sort of thoughtful. But he does like spinning high-tension wires a lot. 
because they mention that a few times. <laughs> what is the folly oh of God. I don't know. Yeah, so it became accidentally really philosophical. Oh. You know, Dad, what is the folly of man? Why does nature point that out? How? Oh, through Godzilla. And it's like, she gets the metaphor. Oh my god. This is a thing. This is a oh. thing. Wow. Kids just like, when they're at that particular age, Mm. The amount of questions that you will just get, just in a yeah. string, it's fantastic. You, you for end like up getting, the first ten. <laughs> you get like accidentally <laughs> profound conversations that you know oh, are, are wonderful, but at twenty past seven in the morning in shower <laughs> traffic, it's like uh, well, not not now, sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, kids are smart. You know, their brains are just little sponges, and they're yeah. just they're just absorbing everything. And uh, I, I actually, uh, I took. I remember uh, back when King of the Monsters was in theaters. I took a friend. I was I was out of town, and I took a friend and all four of her kids to go see it because they had never seen a Godzilla movie, mm. and they were like, "Uncle Godzilla guys in town. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go watch Godzilla," mm. and. And it was so fun uh, watching them react to this movie and watch this movie, and um, and especially the littlest one because she was all she did the same thing. She was like, "Is Godzilla gonna be okay?" And like, you know, and of course they're all about Mothra. They're 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 digging Mothra, and it was just it's a it was tremendous. And of course, like. Like a few days later, uh, my friend messages me and she's sending me all the pictures of Godzilla that her kids have been drawing and stuff. And it's really fun. It's fun stuff. So it's cool indoctrinating small children into your hobbies. Mm -hmm. I can certainly mm -hmm. agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> this is the next well, the, generation of monster fans that we're trying to foster here. Well, the, uh, of course, the, um, multi-million dollar giant Hollywood hype machine, uh, helps facilitate that just a pinch. Let's have a carousel. Um, Joe, you get to ask our guest the question. Oh, no. <laughs> Are we ready? Let's do this. The question? Yeah, yeah. The pun, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I was, I was going to say, I'm already married. I mean, like... <laughs> but, um, but, so, so, Matt, what have Kaiju been up to here? I mean, it's just my life. I mean, just, like, it's just everything, you know? Like, I... I mean, I guess most pertinent, aside from that, I've been uh, watching Ultra Q while uh, I get uh, basically just been for the last 24 hours. If I'm awake and if I need to work out or do my exercises or something, I'll throw on an episode of Ultra Q. But this is a new Blu-rays just came out. But uh, most pertinent is that I just got back from Japan. Uh, I had a little uh, two week. Uh, not two week, no, a uh, little weekend long uh, stint over there because the Marine Corps base in Iwakuni uh, had put on a little Comic-Con and they asked me to come out and be a guest uh, for a couple of days. And that was really fun because uh, that, that part of Japan is very mountainous and very, very beautiful. And Iwakuni is about an hour from Hiroshima. So I took a day trip to Hiroshima after the show. And that was really a special experience because, um, you know, you go and you, 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 the way you do it is you get there. And the first thing you do is you go to the museum 
Like you don't, you don't save the museum for last because you're going to have a bad time. Uh, cause you, you, you go to the, you know, it's, it's chronicling the H bomb and everything and the, the effects of the bomb and the aftermath and everything. Um, and then while you're kind of feeling worn out and somber, you go toy shopping <laughs> and, uh, you go to all the, uh, all the fun little toy shops that are sprinkled around town. And that was what I wound up doing, uh, while I was there. So yeah. I did enjoy your pictures of that. Um, for those who don't know, Matt uh, posted a lot of the pictures um, of the Hiroshima uh, Memorial up on Facebook, and there were a lot of really good pictures. And I, I am glad that you did uh, omit some of the other things. That would have been a bit traumatic. It was. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. Some of that stuff was was pretty rough. Like the. Um, just the the raw. I, I will say that Godzilla fifty four really did get some of the details right. Like some of those, just the scenes of like the folks in the hospital and everything. A lot of that stuff is straight out of Hiroshima archives. Like it's amazing how similar like Godzilla's destruction is. And I get it because a lot of those people, they live through a lot of that stuff, not just the Hiroshima bombings, but the Tokyo fire bombings as well. Yeah. It was really a profound experience. Sorry, I brought the mood down. Um, no, 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 thank you for no. sharing that. Do you know, yeah. I, had a mo- I had a moment when you were saying about the photos, and then Joe said, thank you, you know, for posting those up. I nearly said, yeah, I've got a collection of your photos up on my living room wall with lots of string tied to them, you know, connecting them because I've been following you for so long, Matt. And then I thought, oh, oh, crap, he's talking really heavy about the war. You know, I, I cannot do that now. I'll sound really trivial. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's all good. It's... um. I mean, it it was funny because I was there with a couple of the other guests from the show, and uh, we were kind of like, as we were going into the museum, we were cracking wise a lot and kind of goofing around a little bit because there was a lot of, um, you know, your your people watching. There were a lot of kids there who, was, who were on school field trips and stuff, and then you actually go into the exhibit yourself, and you're like, <laughs> we're not having fun anymore because, um, <laughs> like I said, it's rough. It's it's pretty rough, but I um. I think it's important. I think it's important for anyone who has the means. Uh, one thing I will say that was really, uh, that was also really profoundly impactful was while I was there at, um, the convention in Iwakuni, I had given a talk that morning on Sunday morning about God. It was, my panels are usually called Matt yells about Godzilla. And it was pretty much an hour of me yelling about Godzilla and talking about just like the connections to the, to the atom bomb and the hydrogen bombs and everything. And I remembered this young lady who's, uh, she's, she was a, a mixed, uh, mixed race. She was, uh, her, her, I think her father was an American, was American military, but she, her mother was Japanese and her family is from that hero, from the Hiroshima area. And she had, relatives who survived the bombing and everything. And so she came up to just personally thank me for not shying away from that aspect of the franchise and kind of fighting to reconcile with it, you know, because I feel like it's a the harder edged political aspects of the franchise are something that a lot of fans would rather just not think about. See, I, I've, never, I've never understood that because that, that's one of the big draws for me. I think, right, I think well, the, the themes in Godzilla are what I find most interesting. Well, I think it also, I think when it, I think it's fine, uh, when a lot of people are fine talking about it in higher level political theory, but they're not 
okay talking about it in modern real world context it just makes it too real you know what i mean yeah yeah. There's been an article going around, I think you shared it as well, Matt, the one about um, considering Godzilla as a force in a modern context and the resulting refugee crisis that would that would kind of uh, develop as a result. And you know, my background yeah. is in sociology and I teach geography, so it's interesting to see a lot of the topics that I teach at school. And on the one hand, I'm reading it thinking this is absolutely fantastic. It's It's really considering both aspects you know this is you know a cultural icon but it's putting a practical application to a real life scenario and yet i can imagine the um fallout for one of the you know less dodgy uh use the word but the fallout from a lot of fans <laughs> going oh don't politicize godzilla for god's sake you know because it is reference to lgbt uh, people there's reference to um you know other minority groups and how they would suffer and a lot of people would you know basically start you know um spamming the keyboard uh with you know snowflake <laughs> you know you're ruining the franchise let god you know let godzilla be godzilla you know but well, a lot of what that comes down to is when people say, I don't want to talk about politics, what they mean is, is that I don't want to talk about politics that I don't agree with. Yes. Like it's, it's, and I, and I understand, like, I don't know. I can understand the notion of, oh my God, I'm so tired. Like, I'm just so tired because <laughs> it's exhausting. You're sitting here and you have to live with it 24 seven, especially with the news cycle and everything. Mm. And sometimes it's nice to just have, I mean, I, I do a let's play channel uh, called rage select and we're and not for kids. If you're a kid, don't listen to it because um, your parent will tell your parents. And uh, but we try not to get too political on there because the owner of this introducing TD Ameritrade's newest trading platform, Thinkorswim Web. It has all the essential tools and trade strategies in a streamlined interface. No download necessary. Thinkorswim Web trading streamlined. Visit tdameritrade.com slash thinkorswim web to get started. If your friends haven't told you, McDonald's Spicy Chicken McNuggets are back. The ones made with spicy tempura and aged cayenne. But before you go telling friends, make sure you get them first. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. For a limited time at participating McDonald's. Side is like, look, I get it, but I kind of want to give people a break. And I'm like, I can respect that. But Mm. I feel like to deny those aspects of the Godzilla franchise is to be inherently disingenuous and uh especially like i remember a friend of mine made a piece of art it was a poster of the smog monster it has the 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 cross through it you know like ghostbusters and uh it was he was making it essentially in support of the green new deal and all that he was it's basically his like climate change protest and all of these people not all of them most of the people who respond to were really positive about it but there are a couple of people who were like Oh, you shouldn't like reduce a monster like that to something like this. It was like, Smog Monster is the most <laughs> radically political Godzilla movie ever made. Yeah. You, 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 you plebeians. Out of the polluted waters it came to become the most fearful menace that ever threatened mankind. Anyway, I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole. <laughs> It's a great rabbit hole to go down. Yes. I feel like as our guest, you now need to swing the question back to Paul. Do you want to have a go? Ooh. Okay, Paul. Ready. Ready. Polly Polly Doodle. Uh, what have... I don't know if I'm going to ask it right. What have Kaiju been up to? What have Kaiju Fantastic. been doing? What have yes. Kaijubilating all over the place? Okay, I'm done. Oh, um, eight, eight out of ten. Not bad. <laughs> 
That's the best one yet. <laughs> Better rating than King of the Monsters. Hey oh my god. Zilla. Alright, go ahead. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> no, please go ahead. Yeah. Um I came home uh, from work on Monday to be gifted with Godzilla King of the Monsters by my mother in law. So that was a, a lovely Yeah. Yeah, not my wife, my mother in law. Um Aww, that's, that's a nice. good mother in law. Yeah, yeah. Is, isn't it? Do you remember that TV series, yeah. uh, The Dinosaurs? Honey, I'm home. The uh, uh, yeah. even Jim Jim Henson, <laughs> not the mother. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's an episode where there's a whole thing about when your mother-in-law gets to a certain age, it's the God-given right to chuck your mother-in-law off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the most hideously offensive episodes ever made. But he gets really psyched up for it, and he's about to chuck her off. And she's in a wheelchair, and she's ready. She's got her face all dolled up. So I can imagine you there, Paul. You know, you, you, you're ready to chuck your mother-in-law off the cliff. And she's like, well, didn't I, didn't I get you Godzilla King Monsters? You did. You did. <laughs> Sorry. Hey. Uh, another and again another shockingly political series yes i mean very, they make yeah. jokes about trickle-down economics for crying out loud mm-hmm. um <laughs> but yeah that's fine uh, sorry i, I railroad you, uh, you there as, as always it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be the same if you... so i guess should i be watching this with my son then um see what he thinks he's eight but he doesn't normally stay through What's live action films sex in, this, in the show. Watch it with your father. There you go. Because <laughs> my son's watched, um, was it Godzilla vs. Godzilla 2? That's the only Godzilla mm. film he's watched. Um, and yeah. he did cry at the end of that with little baby Godzilla had to go and leave the lady. Leave the nice oh, lady there with being Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. So yeah, I'm, I'll... That's um, nice. It is, yeah. Kids are nice, aren't they? So yeah, I might give that a go. Um, and other than that, I started watching Car- Car- Carnival Row. Yeah. So um, Amazon Prime, um, Orlando Bloom. Is that a kaiju? It's about it's a uh, <laughs> um, fairies. So I'll go with strange. Yeah, yeah. Look, if I'm gonna be called it's to fan- task about it, follows not well, being it, a kaiju. It, if I say yeah, if it follows Carnival kaiju, Row, yeah. I've only watched the first two episodes, um, but it seems quite good and. Um, Yes, there's fairies, um, and there's some dark evil living under the streets. It's um, it's good. Yeah. It's quite. You do. I mean, it, it's it's adult. Uh, don't watch it with your children. <laughs> um, there, there, there's a watch fair amount of sex in this in the show. Watch <laughs> it with your God, <laughs> Hey there, I'm Batman, and I wanted to tell you about my friends at the Screen Heroes podcast. They deliver sweet justice. In the form of discussing movies, television, and me. They love my movies. Every single one of them. Yes, even that one. Sometimes they even have me on as a guest, which is thrilling. You can find them at twitch.tv slash heroes podcasts. Live on Tuesdays at 9pm Eastern Gotham time. If you can't tune in live... The new shows go up on places like Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Gotham Radio, and Demoscura Live. Now, back to your regularly scheduled Batcast. And welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Curry House. We're in the second part of this episode. We are joined by Paul. Hello. 
Joe. Howdy. And our very special guest, Matt Frank. I'm special? <gasps> I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I, do that. I do that all the damn time, so <sighs> it uh, makes sense. But yes, I'm happy to be here. Thank you, guys. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, Matt, I've got some questions from our from our um, group members. The first one is from our member, one of our members called Dave. He is asking um, if you could redesign any movie monster from any film, which would it be, and what changes Ooh. would you make? This is Godzilla Neo, isn't it? Yeah, I was gonna say, my, the first uh, four years of my creative life on the internet. Uh, also, he says he loves um, the Nemesis model so much. Does that mean anything? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Nemesis is a monster that I designed for Jeremy Robinson's kaiju thriller novels. Uh, he's Jeremy really kind of kicked off this trend of like, of just like indie kaiju uh, stories, indie kaiju adventure stories, and uh, and with the Project Nemesis series, and uh, the the lead monster sort of took on a life of her own, and uh, we even made a comic series based on it uh, through I have Famous that. Monsters of Filmland. <laughs> well, thank you. You're one of the few people who do. Um, <laughs> Never got to have a trade paperback out of that, which is a shame. Oh, yeah. Um, I uh, I was asking them, uh, Famous Monsters of Phil, and I was one of those pesky people that kept emailing them for, like, months on end. Like, what is this happening? They're just like, oh, yeah, it's going to happen, and then it kind of didn't. No, it's not. It's never going to happen, unfortunately. Um, I don't want to go too far into how the sausage is made, but, uh, yeah, that ain't going to happen. That being said, uh, with regards to monster that I could redesign, um, well, that's a tricky question because so many kaiju, I, I, I just I appreciate they're all my beautiful, terrible children, and I just don't know that there's much about them I would change because, like, like a lot of people be like, oh, well, why don't you redesign Reptilicus or something? But I'm like, but Reptilicus is amazing because it's so bad and that's what makes it adorable you know i have i have the uh club daikaiju uh reptilicus vinyl figure and it's one of my favorites because it's so beautiful and so janky and awkward um the giant claw the giant claw is amazing wouldn't touch that uh let me hang on let me just the question was my... what kaiju do you love it was which would you I, change I, I know <laughs> come on, come on. Um, you know, there are definitely some older Ultraman monsters that I'd love to kind of dig in and redesign. Because I feel like when I uh, tackle a redesign, I'm not necessarily trying to improve the design. I'm just trying to find an angle that maybe hasn't been considered before. Um, and it might sound silly, but for a couple of our listeners who might not know what Ultraman is, can you just, like, in a couple of sentences explain it? Because we have, you know, a couple of novice listeners. Sure, sure. Well, Ultraman... Ultraman is uh, another long-running um, kaiju-centric franchise from Japan that was uh, – in Japan, I don't think I can stress this enough, kaiju in the Ultraman franchise that are as popular or more popular than Godzilla monsters. Like, you go to Japan and you're just as likely to see uh, Red King or Baltan Seijin, who are two very popular Ultraman monsters, as you are likely to see Godzilla or Mothra. Um, and, uh, Ultraman himself is a giant, giant red and silver superhero. He fights monsters and uh, you had people on the internet. You can look it up. Um, but, uh, 
it's like it's kaiju sort of, with with a giant luchador basically that's kind of what you it know is. i feel like that's very accurate um and of course they're finally putting them out on uh american blu-ray i don't know how accessible that stuff is out in the uk but um yeah um let me think for a second uh oh so in the gamera films there's a monster uh named jiger from gamera versus jiger and it's sort of this weird triceratops lizard creature and i feel like the design is sort of a hodgepodge like i can't really tell exactly what it's supposed to be which is fine for a lot of kaiju because kaiju i feel like the strongest kaiju designs aren't just big insert animal here you know like just a large animal i feel like is kind of a a poor idea for a kaiju. But I looked back at some of the concept art for Jiger and the idea, I looked back at some of the concept art and a lot of the early concepts uh, had her or him or whatever being a, well, more like a coelacanth, like a giant fish with legs. Oh, that's groovy. I love coelacanths. And it's a cool idea because she has these gills. I'm going with she because she's got this whole thing with laying eggs and stuff. Um, She's got these weird gills, and I'm looking at the face. It's like a coelacanth mixed with a parrotfish mixed with a mud guppy, like, walking fish. So there's a great monster design in there that I just want to get in there and and, 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 and tweak just a tiny bit. Um, I did a little bit. That was a really cool answer. Thank thank you for that. And I hope uh, Dave's happy with that. I've got a Probably second not. question for you um, from a James Allen. He says, were there any Godzilla stories that you still wanted to tell or create artwork for through IDW? If so, is he willing to spill some ideas? Sorry, uh, spill some details. Mm. Well, um, I don't want to go into too much because... Mm. More I... sensitive as a question. Well, you never really know what the future holds, and you never really know, like, what opportunities are going to come up. Um, at the moment, IEW does have the license again, but they're not making new comics or just reprinting older stuff. And, and, they and need putting to. them. Trust me, I know. Uh, because um, John Lehman and I have been trying to get a Godzilla comic made for, like, three, four years at this point. I don't, if anybody doesn't know John Lehman, he's the writer on Chew. C-H-E-W. Um, it was a long-running, extremely popular comic. Um, he was also the writer on Godzilla Gangsters and Goliaths, which was one of the miniseries from IDW. Yeah, and he and I... Yeah. yeah, it's a fun one. He and I met a couple of years ago, back when the comics were kind of going, and we really connected, and um, he was just like, yeah, I'd love to do a Godzilla story with you. Uh, whether or not that'll ever materialize is hard to say. Uh but I hope, hopefully he and I can work on something in the future at some point. Um, uh, other than that, uh, I would have loved to have done something, done my own Godzilla in Hell story, because that was a really popular miniseries. Uh, I did a cover for issue two, which was Bob Eggleton's co- uh, comic. If I were to have done that, I would have gone uh, Wayne Barlow's Inferno with it and, like, created a structure to Hell where, like, there's... There's power structures and political structures. There's species that are unique to hell and stuff that Godzilla is just like, it, at a certain point, it's just like another city that now Godzilla's in. And they're just like, what is that? 
<laughs> and um, we already thought things were as bad as they could be. <laughs> yeah. So I'd want to like, I'd want to have a. There's a lot of more fun I'd like to have with that. But really, like, I sort of got to do my dream Godzilla comic. Uh, aside from just doing Rulers of Earth, where it was just this ongoing, and we got to just do a 25 issue Godzilla comic. Uh, I also got to do Rage Across Time, which was the samurai-era-centric Godzilla story, which was something that I've wanted to see for a really long time. And uh, Jeremy Robinson, the writer of Project Nemesis, wrote up a great treatment for that, but it was the original pitch was for five issues. And our editor said, okay, can you get it down to one? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but that real, really, really, so, so, like, that was sort of my ideal type of Godzilla story. But there's other stories to be told, and... um that's just those are some of the ideas that I'd like to dig around in. So we'll you know we'll never know. I'd love to make a Mothra centric story though, like just about Mothra. I've got some fun ideas for that. You know, so we'll as see. terrible as I sound, like I don't know if you get this often, but have you ever like thought or considered or had it thrown at you? Like you just mentioned a Mothra centric story. What if there was like they had a few of them. Um, they were like the one-shots. There was Titanosaurus, a Hedora, mm. and Angus. What were Legends? Legends. Yeah, the yeah. Legends ones. I would like to see not just one comic, but an entire arc. And it's just those, because Godzilla, Ghidorah, Mothra, Rodan, they're in everything, as is mm-hmm. Godzilla. But say someone wanted, like, we go to Gigan's homeworld, and we see mm. that creature abducted, tortured and turned into a cyborg and then set loose. That's an origin story that nobody's really explored. Or, you know, like, there's just all sorts of fun, neat creatures in that universe, like Ghidorah. Ghidorah's from space. Is there is it part of a species, or is it a one-off? If there was a planet of Ghidorahs, holy cow, that's terrifying. What is that place like? That would you know, be amazing. Just, I know, but, you know, I'm like... In my imagination is like, so Space Godzilla flies around space or whatever. We don't necessarily know how old it is or whatever. But what if Space Godzilla and Ghidorah met in space? What would happen? Mm. You know, you get Godzilla. I think people center on Godzilla so much. Yeah. But you get this in Star Wars. Um, it's like when you got the books of Tales from Mos Eisley Cantina and Tales from mm-hmm. the Bounty Hunters. There's definitely not just a cult following, but there's, there's a strong core of people who thoroughly enjoy the minor characters mm-hmm. and um i think i for one and with joe on that that toho's big five are awesome but actually that this there's so much to see in the kaiju that have only appeared in one film <clears throat> I'm, I'm not saying that i necessarily want an origin story on Cetopia with uh, megalon because you know however much <laughs> yeah, i jokingly, yeah, uh, however much i jokingly love that film you know i know it's silly but I'd like to know, you know, is Titanosaurus, uh, you know, a species that belongs to you? Is there more than one? You know, things like that. Uh, I I feel like that was that really was the intention of Godzilla Legends, but you know, it, it, it's a combination of things because it just depends on it, 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 when you're dealing with licensed properties. There's also a big question of what sells and yeah. what you can feasibly maintain. Cause you have, I don't you have think... this with GMK, but that, that's why they ended up being like, oh, we'll, we'll throw in the, these kaiju. Oh, it'd be great to have some more random ones. Yeah, that that, that film isn't going to sell. <laughs> so that's it, yeah. It was really, that was really a shame. I, I feel like GMK necess- isn't necessarily any stronger or weaker for having those different monsters in them. 
I quite like the idea of Ghidorah being a essentially a juvenile Yamato no Orochi, an eight-headed dragon, yes. eight-headed hydra. Um, that's a really interesting idea, uh, sort of as an Elseworlds concept. But again, it's like, those are all the things you have to consider. Like, those ideas are also unique. The other, the other problem is Toho doesn't really like digging the origins of certain monsters because they don't, to, there's sort of this idea that when you kind of reveal the origin of a monster, it makes it less intimidating and less scary. Joker. Um, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of really fun stories to be told though. I just, you know, uh, again, it's just a question of the franchise. Cause the thing is what people want, they want Godzilla and it's, it, I, I think that there is room for it, uh, especially in this current climate. But again, nobody's really making those comics. So, you know, but you never really know what'll happen in the future. I'll ask a lighter question from uh, Jason. Right. And coming back to more mainstream, Jason says, do me a solid and ask him, what is a king to a god? <laughs> well, what's a god to a non-believer? I mean, isn't that really the question? Um, so what I, are your thoughts on the 2020 film ahead? Oh, must we? Um, the... Let's have it. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I, uh, I'm actually very interested in how they're going to do Godzilla versus Kong. Not necessarily the punch up, but because uh, that's just going to be a punch up. I'm really want to know how they're going to expand on the world building from King of the Monsters. Because I, I've made no secret of the fact that I don't. As much as I enjoyed it and had fun with it. I personally don't think King of the Monsters is a very good film. Um, I think it has a lot of problems. It has a... <laughs> the Orca is the least of that movie's problems. <laughs> um, the the I, I have a lot of problems with um, Kyle Chandler and his PhD in wolf listening that is going to apparently makes him action captain master kaiju expert. And it's like, white boy, sit down. Um, <laughs> I was just I was just shocked why a civilian gets to walk into a military meeting, shout at everyone, you. and they listen to him rather than you know get the f- out of this room right now. It's, you know, it's, it's. I mean, my my wife, who's a Kyle Chandler fan, couldn't stand him in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but uh, but so that's one of the things I'm worried about is actually like, well, what's the story gonna be like? Are they gonna try to make it about something the way they did with King of the Monsters? Please don't. Because I love a good um, metaphorical uh, parable Godzilla kaiju movie with some nice um, some nice social economic commentary or whatever. But that doesn't sell. That doesn't sell. Well, no, but see, that's what they. I don't have a problem. No, clearly it does because Shin Godzilla. um, Shin Godzilla is nothing but politics, and it was the highest-grossing Godzilla movie since the '60s in Japan, anyway. If your friends haven't told you, McDonald's Spicy Chicken McNuggets are back. The ones made with spicy tempura and aged cayenne. But before you go telling friends, make sure you get them first. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For a limited time at participating McDonald's. Progressive Motorcycle presents Road Wisdom from the Motor. The road is everything you want it to be. Everything. As long as what you want... Is road to ride your motorcycle on. Progressive Motorcycle also presents basic policies starting at $79 a year. Progressive Motorcycle for those who were born to ride. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy is not available in all states. 
I, I adore it. it it's, right. it's genuinely one of my favourite Godzilla films in a long time. But I've played it for a lot of UK um, audiences, mm-hmm. and they've been like, I don't know, what do you see in this? It's amazing. Well, it's fantastic political commentary. Not to, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a different rabbit hole to go down. But as I, I feel like you can make your kaiju movie about something. Kong Skull Island is basically about American foreign policy. Like that's and that's a great kaiju movie in it, and it did really well. I feel like the attempts at commentary for climate change stuff in and 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 especially the nuclear angle in King of the Monsters was so poorly handled that I just don't want them to bother at all. Just make it a cool punch-up between two giant apex predators. Have some cool world-building. Just have fun with it, guys. Don't, if you're not going to do it well, like, or even competently, just don't do it. And what they can do is the monster punch-up stuff. So, and I'm totally fine with the Monsterverse films essentially being two-hour advertisements for the Criterion Blu-ray box set. Like, just, (laughs) I'm fine with that. Uh, As far as the movie itself and the fight itself, I have a feeling Kong's probably going to win because Kong's the underdog. He's the Rocky Balboa. Godzilla's the Ivan Drago. It's, it's, I think that's the way things are going to go. And guess what, guys? They're not going to kill Godzilla. I'm just telling you that right now. It ain't going to happen. But I think it'll be fun either way. I've got a question from one of our members. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a poll. Uh, oh, you like that? <laughs> um, do, do you want to ask it? Go on. Um, yeah, Matt. I was just wondering. Uh, have you seen the Tremors films? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, what are your thoughts on the films and, um, in particular, the gravoids, the creature design? Oh, they're a lot of fun. I think I think the first Tremors is one of those like. I would call it, an, it, 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 it's not quite on the level of Ghostbusters, but it's pretty high up there. It's a nearly perfect horror comedy monster movie. And it's so well done, and this practical effects are so good, and there's so many, just so well directed, and it's so bitingly funny. It's, 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 it's an excellent film. And you know what? I think the sequels are pretty enjoyable. I, um, I think for Christmas or my birthday or something, uh, if I remember correctly, I think my wife got me the whole box set of all the films on DVD and I, and I binged them all in one night. And that was back when there was just the four. Um, They keep multiplying. Those shriekers keep on eating. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They are um, great fun. They are so much fun. There's a lot of really fun stuff in it. And I think the monsters are a really fun idea. I feel like, though, the further away you get from the core Graboid life cycle, the less special and interesting it is, because the Graboids themselves are so cool. That's how they get you. They're under the ground. Every subsequent version is, it's fine. Uh... I don't know. I, but again, the so, sequel movies are fun. I, I, I like them okay, but man, that first film, mwah, just chef kiss. Like, it's... it's Perfection. Did you ever, Have you ever had like, any doodles or, or drawings of, of Graboids or Shriekers? Cause I awesome. actually... I did a commission a few... Uh, about a year ago for um, someone at a convention where I did, like, all three of the main life cycle stages. Uh, oh, it's wow. online somewhere. I'll have to dig it up. It, I think it's on my Instagram. Um, or maybe not. I'll take it up and I'll maybe I'll post it on Instagram because <laughs> I really I was actually going through my old stuff and I was like oh I like how this one came out why don't I share this so I'll uh, I'll have to dig that one up because I had a lot of fun drawing uh, working with those designs 
you, you can't see it, listeners, but right now Paul's eyes are like little anime love hearts. <laughs> you know, he, he's like, and there's little bridges for eyes. He looks so pleased right now. There's a nosebleed starting. You know. It's adorable. I love it. But yeah. Let's take our second break, guys. And it's been a delight asking you some questions, Matt, from our fans. So thank you very much. Hey, why play video games when you could watch people play video games? Why watch people play video games when you could listen to people talk about video games? Come rest your eyes and hands with the Gamer Heroes podcast. We'll cover the latest news in games, previews, reviews, and more coming your way every Wednesday morning. Come check us out as part of the Heroes Podcast Network at heroespodcasts.com or find us on Spotify, iTunes, Spreaker, or, you know, other podcast places. Give us a listen to help you get through your busy day or even just forget you left it playing in your headphones. We're cool with that, too. Hello and welcome back to Kaiju Curry House. This is your host Joe, and joining me now are Paul. Hello. And our special guest, Mr. Matt Frank. Hi again. Matt, we're going to round off the end of the questions section. Um, we had one question from Matthew, and he asks, What attracted you to work on the Red Man character? Uh, that's a pretty interesting story, and it's also just an interesting question in general because it really wasn't um it, it, it how do i put this it wasn't really something that i really led the charge on um what happened was subaraya productions which is the company that owns ultraman and redman and all that they uh started uploading redman onto their youtube channel and my boss in Japan, my editor over at Phase 6, who was uh, – that's the company that was releasing the Godzilla comics in Japanese, he asked me, hey, we should totally – he was like, we should totally do like a Red Man comic because this, this series is great. Because at the time when Red Man was making the rounds online, it sort of went low-key viral. And as a result, people were really like – coming up with like different explanations for well what is red man and what's going on in these videos and stuff and why is he just murdering kaiju and my uh my editor got really uh, enamored with that whole thing the whole red man phenomenon and so he said hey let's totally do a comic based on this and i was like yeah yeah sure sure like not I was necessarily dismissive of it, but it wasn't something that I was really anticipating would happen. So he asked me to do some sketches. I threw some sketches together. He was just he was going to go try to have a meeting with Subaraya, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's nice. And then, like, a little while later, he messaged me back and said, hey, we got the license. We're doing Red Man. Make a comic. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess this is happening. So I... I dug in and I was already kind of thinking about some potential angles for Red Man. Like, well, you know, how would you make a story out of that? Because you have to, you have to make a story, because there is no real story in the original show. Uh, but there's context clues you can use to sort of uh, use as a jumping off point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To flush it out and to, and to use it as inspiration for how can I create a narrative out of this. And I had also started watching Twin Peaks at the time, so I was in a really weird headspace. Um, and so I wanted it to be weird and obtuse and 
maybe kind of even frustrating a little bit. Like people are not entirely sure what's going on, which is sort of the point. Cause I feel like if you <laughs> explain too much with red man, you lose a lot of that weird kaiju snuff film quality that the original show has. And that's really where I went with it. And I felt like it's been pretty interesting. It's been an interesting journey and I've been having a lot of fun with it. I'm wrapping up, we're wrapping up volume three right now. Uh, I don't know when exactly it'll be released, hopefully before the end of the year. And yeah, that's been it in a nutshell. Very cool. All right. Um, I do like that character. Uh, I, I just remember seeing the original art come out and it's just like, it's, you know, there are a lot of kaiju that you put into that comic and they all seem to be decapitated or sliced in half or just taken out quite quickly. I'm like, Oh wow, this guy, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> but um, So oh, yeah. we have uh, kind of a two-part question. This is the last question for the night, and it's from James. He has asked uh, for you, what is your favorite IDW uh, comic that relates to Kaiju that you didn't work on? And then mm. after that, he's asking, where did the inspiration for the Trillipods come from? Oh, okay. Yeah, those are both pretty good. Um, the first question about which IEW, I'm just going to go with Godzilla, like which IEW Godzilla comic did I like the most? Um, I feel like the easiest answers, Godzilla in Hell uh, and Half-Century War, because those are the two that sort of get propped up as some of the most uh, transgressive and interesting of the IEW Godzilla books. They're just very, they're just very ambitious, and you know James Stokoe sort of led the charge on both of them. I mean, Half Century War was his, was his baby from the start, and I really, really liked the whole vibe of it. I didn't really feel like he got to dig in as much as I think he really even wanted to, but so it's more of a light dusting of. Uh, you could return to that universe, basically. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of story there that hasn't been told. Outside of that, uh, I mean, I feel like Cataclysm and Gangsters and Goliaths both also had a lot of really interesting stuff going on in them. Uh, I, I have to say, as far as just, like, sheer creative weirdness. I really liked Godzilla in hell. Uh, I, I really liked that one. And since I, I guess that would count since I only did uh, one cover, I didn't really work on the book as a whole. So that would probably be my overall favorite. And, oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> the other thing, uh, as for the trilopods, uh, there's, I don't want to go too deep into it because I'm currently working on something right now. That's uh sort of a tell all about them. Uh, and people, you'll know about that when, they, when they're out, uh, when it's out, uh, the trilopods were not completely me. Uh, a lot of people are like, Oh, you created the trilopods. And I'm like, not really. I, as it is in most creative endeavors, it was a collaborative effort. Uh, the original conceptualization was pretty different and I sort of took the reins at a certain point and kind of steered it towards because Chris Mowry, who was a writer on the book. um, So just for some context, for those who don't know, the trilopods were original monsters we created for Godzilla rulers of earth. And they appeared in the latter quarter of the book. And uh, they're these space crustaceans that can absorb the 
abilities of other monsters and sort of become these hybrids. And we were having a lot of fun with that. But originally they were supposed to be, they were supposed to be like not a whole one whole species. Uh, there we were just kicking ideas around, but I, eventually I suggested like, well, I really wanted something that was sort of based on a trilobite. And I combined some visual elements from Anomalocaris and a couple of other prehistoric crustaceans and arthropods. And then Chris came up with a bunch of other elements like, well, there should be two of them that come in pairs. One drinks the, drinks the blood or sucks the DNA out of one monster and then combines with a larger fighting trilopod. And then they create a hybrid monster based on whatever monster they had attacked. And Jeff Zorno came in and he gave, I, I did an original concept sketch, like a little thumbnail because we were designing them when I was kind of in the middle of getting married. Like it was right. It was <laughs> on my events. wedding. Well, it was, yeah, it was on my wedding weekend. And I remembered having like a phone conversation with Chris about it. And I rocked out a quick sketch and be like, okay, uh, here's what I'm thinking. And then just, and that, that was really the basic look and feel of the trilopod. Then, Jeff Zorno took it and kind of ran with it in a more fierce and more much more detailed direction. He added some elements, and then I took that and refined it to the final elements that you see in the comic. And that was kind of where things went, and it wound up being this really, truly collaborative effort. So... I can't really take full credit for that, although I will take credit for sort of pushing it in the direction and sort of spearheading it, but everybody contributed something. And the, and the hybrids were a lot of fun to design. Uh, we they had were this, fantastic. That was an yeah. incredible, what would, what would you call it, finale to that series. That was, yeah. They're fighting themselves. That was great. Yeah, fighting all these clone monsters and stuff with all these. It was a lot of fun getting to do that. And Jeff Zorno really got the ball rolling on that because he, he like started doing these hybrid designs. He was really got the ball rolling on these hybrid designs and did like the Trilogantua. We weren't allowed to call them that in the script. (laughs) We couldn't call them like Trilodan and Trilomanga and uh, Titanopod. And we couldn't call them that, but just because of just, just, copyright legal reasons but yeah we have have to pay money to trademark them (laughs) yeah exactly so we we but we had a lot of fun you know i i when the godzilla pods showed up or trilozillas whatever we wound up calling them internally when they showed up i wanted it to not just be one i wanted it to be like three and each one wound up being a visual reference to a different era of godzilla uh i think i had one that was a heisei reference one that was maybe a 1954 reference, and then another one that was a 2014 reference, just based on their backplates. Yeah, uh, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I might not be remembering that correctly, but that's what I remember. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was fun to add to the lore, you know, and something that wasn't... I feel like some of the other original monsters that appear in various Godzilla comics, like Bagora and Cybersaur, uh, and from the Dark Horse days, they sort of get overlooked because they're 
sort of pastiches of Mechagodzilla or kind of a Rodan-like creature in Bagora. They were really trying to, as I understand it, they were sort of trying to recreate Godzilla ver- uh, Mechagodzilla versus Rodan from Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2. Um, and I didn't really want that. I wanted the Trilopods to really have their own unique flavor, which is ironic considering that then they became clones of all of the other monsters. So take from that what you will. Yeah, I just I think it's a very novel concept. It's like you have an army of monsters. You could mm-hmm. I mean like you could just assume have them fight another army of like mechas or like an alien menace, but what you did in that it was really created because you had them fight the worst aspects of themselves. And <laughs> you know, like that that was pretty neat. The other thing that I will say, you know, before we get moving while we're just still on the subject of IDW, Jet Jaguar in Rulers of Earth. You did the best job with that character of anybody that I've ever seen, you guys. And, <laughs> and because Godzilla vs. Megalo, I, I, it isn't my favorite Godzilla movie. Is it not? <laughs> <laughs> For a variety of reasons. Hey! Hey! Jet Jaguar! But yeah. I really think that you utilize Jet Jaguar's strengths to make him a cool character because he can do a lot of cool things. And the mystique of him not having an origin story, but kind of also having a background within the universe, I thought that was a really good touch as well. Well, that was one of the real... I I really got to give a lot of that credit to Chris Mowry because he really... He really knew how to walk that line, how 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 to thread that needle, because Toho was very adamant that we couldn't really dive into Monster's origins. So... But we had to dan- We had to be like, well, these things have to come from somewhere. So we had. We were really able to dance around it and be like, well, there's maybe there's some connection between Jet Jaguar and the Cryog and the alien invaders, and because it's sort of suggested that the the original creator of Jet Jaguar may have been a defector. Like, it's hard to say. Uh, and we, we really kind of, like I said, we really kind of danced around it. And uh, our, intelligent our race of space gabbros created him. Yeah, of course. Obviously, that's what it was. Um, <laughs> a fun fact, we couldn't use Gabbara. Um, what? Okay, now this is a not, story. <laughs> well, it's not how it's, trust me, it's not as interesting as that. Literally, Chris at one point, so, so Chris was the Godzilla guru over at IDW. He is really the reason those books got made and the reason that I got to work Chris, for them. Chris, Mowry, you're listening, Chris we Mowry. love you very much. We love you very, <laughs> very, very much. Well, funny thing is, he's living the dream. He's working for Toho now at their L.A. office. Um, oh, that's awesome. Nice. As I understand it. Um, I, it's actually a shame. I haven't talked to Chris in a number of years. We sort of fell out of touch, and um, I've been hoping to reconnect with him at some point. So, But we'll see. You know, you never know. But um, he really was instrumental in a lot of that. And so when they first got the license, Chris wrote down, like, a bunch of monsters that he thought would be. Because I think they were just trying to test large. I don't. I don't want to speak out of school, but he was really, they were really trying to test the waters and see like where they could go with the monsters and everything. And I think Toho was only willing to let them have so many kaiju like they, so they originally only had 13 monsters. Um, And I don't, 
exactly remember which ones they were. I think it was Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, Hedera, Ghidorah, Gigan, Space Godzilla, Destroyer, I think. I, I, Mechagodzilla, I'm not going to get on a list. But anyway, and so, so afterwards they renegotiated the contract and they asked Chris, like, just write down every monster you want. So Chris just, he just wrote down as many as he could think of on the spot and just, and fired off the list. And then when later he realized, oh crap, I didn't put down Gabara or Ganymes from Space Amoeba. We got, we got Gezora and Kamebas, but we didn't get Ganymes. We didn't have all three, which is really funny. And then for some reason, Gabara, he just, his, he just, he just forgot to put Gabra's name down. And by that point, it was too late. They would have had to, like, completely renegotiate to get more monsters. It's a whole process. So uh, that's that's your, your crash course in Japanese copyright, kids. Which seems and, to be, like, <laughs> it seems to be, like, the bane and the love of this fandom. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's tough. It's it's very there's a lot of little things that people I don't think really think of when they are asking like well why didn't they do this or why didn't they do that chances are it's a pretty good reason for example working with Subaraya on all these some Ultraman related stuff and Redman and all that I thought I kind of just had free reign to do whatever I want and I've recently found out there actually are a lot of little invisible barriers like for example. Actor likenesses are a really big issue. That's why they, they couldn't use Miki Saiguza for more than just one issue of Godzilla Legends, because A, they would have to have cleared the likeness of that actress, of, of Megumi Odaka, and the human characters are not necessarily the property of Toho. There's a lot of red tape that involves getting checking to see if the screenwriters actually own those characters or not. Like I said, this industry has a lot of little invisible barriers that not everyone's super aware of. <laughs> One of our goals was to take these these characters, these monsters and robots or whatever that people maybe thought were kind of lame and just have fun with them and kind of try to help them meet their full potential. So Jet Jaguar became this this awesome superhero enforcer character who would just keep popping up and who, cause he never really worked with the military in the original story. And here he was working with the military and piloting Mechagodzilla at a certain point. And then we took King Caesar and we really, I, I we really pushed King Caesar to be really brutal and really aggressive when he fights because he doesn't really get to do a whole lot in his original movie our one of our plans that never really came to fruition was we were going to do something with Minya or with little godzilla or something i don't think we had i think we had Minya. i don't think we had baby or little or godzilla jr that was that was something we were we i really wanted to do something with Minya and really endear him to people because i think Minya gets really gets crapped on a lot and uh, we didn't really want that we wanted to do something interesting and fun with him i I really wanted there to be a scene where he's where there's this enemy monster this big enemy monster possibly the showa king Ghidorah, which was something that we had wanted to do for a while and i wanted godzilla to not have been there like somehow it's minya versus Ghidorah, just one-on-one Ghidorah isn't even really trying like he's only half paying attention to minya and Minya just keeps getting 
the crap kicked out of him. Like, just keeps getting knocked across the city or really stomped into the dirt. But he keeps getting up. It's a, it's very much an I can do this all day kind of thing. But it, the real reason was because Godzilla wouldn't give up, so Minya won't give up. That's the, It's like, what would Godzilla do? And that's really something I re- really wanted to do, and he just never got to do it. But that's just how things go. So, Matt, now that we've gone over those for a bit, um, mm-hmm. one of the things that a lot of folks want to know, because they love your work, we love the things that you come up with, because you're a fan like us. Um, mm. What projects have you got in the pipeline? Uh, I talked a little bit about it earlier. Uh, there are some stuff that – there is some stuff that's coming out that I can't – super go into just because of NDAs and and licensor agreements and stuff. So I'm, I'm waiting on the green light for a lot of that. One of the big things I've been working on is a creator-owned book called uh, Miss Medusa's Monstrous Menagerie, as I had mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Uh, that book I'm really... I've been trying to get a creator-owned comic off the ground for a long time, and I've had several different attempts, and they either hit a snag or people kind of lose interest or, you know, or, or other people get busy. This one, a lot of the work's already done because I partnered with my buddy, Paul Hanley, who's did a couple of Godzilla covers for ADW. That's how we met. He actually lives out here in the Austin area. He's just like 20 minutes from me. And he's also been pretty extensively associated with Dr. Who. He designed one of the companions for like an audio series. He did a cover for one of the, he did like a wraparound cover for IDW. Um, you can probably confirm this, Matt, before I, before going too far into it. In the Hedora uh, comic uh, of Legends, uh-huh. there is a TARDIS at the bottom of one of those pages. Is there not? You just it's, I, it's a it's a British reference. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I I don't I don't remember if that was in the interiors. I think I put a TARDIS in the cover. There was an interior because I think it's Mechagodzilla landing, and it's just a great like page spread is just or you know like whatever like that chromey sound that doesn't exist you know comes down but like in the rubble you see the little blue box i was always like because my brother's a big doctor who fan and i was like john look you hate kaiju but here's your fandom oh well that's something you know i i yeah now you've got me like you've got me digging through my old archives now because i'm trying to find the header cover i did and whether or not i put a tardis in that Nope, uh, just Optimus Prime and a VTOL from Ultraman and a Mazer Tank. And I think that's Bumblebee. Um, it's just, oh. <laughs> uh, no, I, it wasn't a TARDIS. I put the ticking clock from, from Godzilla vs. Hedera, from the opening, uh, the big old grandfather clock. On the subject of Miss Medusa, though, it's going to be pretty fun. It's basically, I don't want to go too deep into it, but basically it's like a workplace comedy slash drama but it's about an actual carnival run by monsters in 1960s deep South America. <laughs> so it's a very interesting setting and time frame. And like I said, I don't want to go too far into it because we're still kind of revealing stuff. Uh, Paul has a lot of it already written. He's been doing character designs. He's been, he really threw himself into it. And I'm going to be doing the interiors and covers. And I've done a couple character designs. Uh, the whole I conceptualized the whole thing uh, from the beginning, based on a poster I did for SoonerCon, which is a little convention in Oklahoma, 
I did a I did a poster for them, sort of a carnival of monsters because that was a theme for them one year, and. I did a little like, oh man, what would be a fun like ringmaster character? And for some reason, a a gorgon uh, jumped into my head, but with like this kind of Zatanna esque top hat and jacket and stuff. So I I ran with that, and I thought that would be like a great comic. So so Paul uh, latched onto that, and he started writing it. And I mean, hopefully, we can get at least part of it out next year. I don't know how much we're going to be able to get done, but I'm really planning on getting a lot of work done on it next year. Um, beyond that, uh, Red Man, Volume 3, like I said, that's coming out, and then Red Man's going to take a little break because we've been doing it kind of nonstop for the last two and a half years. Um, I think the Kickstarter is already wrapped up, but I did a bunch of art for the Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid tabletop miniature game. They did an expansion for the Zeo, the Power Rangers Zeo expansion. And I did, like, just a crap load of art for that. And my buddy Josh Perez helped out with some of the colors because they needed, like, 45 drawings in a month. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So Josh helped me out with that. There's some pretty big stuff coming, some really big stuff coming, and I just can't talk about it, unfortunately. And that's just the nature of the business. Um, we've got a couple more Japanese releases coming up. I'm actually going to be in Tokyo for about uh, four weeks coming up. And next year, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe I'll jump around the, the UK. Eh? Maybe yeah. I'll jump across the pond for a couple of days. <laughs> hmm? That might be fun. Go go visit my go visit my dinosaurs in the Crystal Palace Park, which is what I've been wanting to do since I was five. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty awesome. The other thing too, I mean, if you ever get the chance, there is a uh, paleozoology uh, themed conference led by some Ooh. of the people that uh, write for the Natural History Museum, and it's called Tet Zoocon, and it's full of artists. That might That's be right awesome. up your street. Oh yeah, definitely, I it is like amazing. That. But um, yeah, I mean, like they'll they will critique. Art of dinosaurs. <laughs> to a level oh, I don't you, doubt it. I'm used to, but uh, no, there's well, all I... sorts of fun stuff that I'm sure you get invited to. What is actually the most fun thing that you've been invited to so far? Not to single anybody else out or make anybody feel bad, but what's a show <laughs> or a mecca you could say that's really great to go and see? I mean, the obvious answer is Tokyo is going to, or just Japanese shows in general. Uh, that's like the first thing that jumps in my mind because I, I really love going to Tokyo, and I love, uh, but I like going to the other places around Japan. Like I've been to Osaka a few times. Osaka is really cool. It's very laid back compared to Tokyo. It's more like going to Boston or Philadelphia as opposed to like New York or L.A., you know, one of the big cities you, you go to an equally a, another really big city, but it just has a completely different vibe. And then you get to go to the smaller places. Like I went to Okinawa last year for the first time, and I carried a little King Caesar around with me everywhere I went. <laughs> uh, took a picture with it every opportunity I could. And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, I went to Iwakuni earlier this year, which is like bucolic Japanese countryside living at its finest. Uh, other than that, I just there's a lot of fun little shows I've been to. I'm getting to go to actually to the proper Monster Palooza next year, which is the uh, a pretty exciting uh, opportunity. I've been trying to get into that show. That's out in L.A. I've been trying to do more L.A. based shows because you know it's 
it's it's the inter- entertainment hub. It's Hollywood. It's where all the movers and shakers are. I got to tour legendary studios and DC studios a few weeks ago. Not for any particular reason, just just as a meet and greet because I had some mutual friends there uh, who who knew uh, who knew people there. Of course, I have to single out G Fest. G Fest is where it's at. Like G Fest is like. The place for kaiju fans. It's it's fantastic. Sure. Yeah, those are some of the highlights. All right. So I think yeah. we need to wrap this up now. Um, <laughs> we've yeah. got a lot of content, so to speak, for everybody who's been listening. But um, we're going to wrap it up, and we're going to we always do this segment at the end. It's called "If Nothing Else." And mm-hmm. James has had uh, a little one wake up. We record these late at night for our uh, U.S. Uh, visitors. But um, anyways. Uh, when we recommend things, you know, it's it's usually something out of the ordinary, something that folks may not have heard of. We just try to point people in new and interesting directions. So seeing as how you're so closely affiliated with kaiju literature and art, we'll have you met. What would you say, if nothing else, check this out? If nothing else is a really because I I read and dabble in so much stuff um, especially in, in our neck of the woods and the kaiju neck of the woods. As far as literature goes, check out my buddy Raphael Coronelli's uh, book series called uh, Daikaiju Yuki. That's a re- those are really fun books. They're not, they're not quite all ages. They get to sell some saucy shenanigans in those. But uh, they're, they're really fun, and they're very just they're just kind of indulgent and and silly in a lot of ways but i also love the earnestness with which he tackles them and they're just really fun reads i and i have to admit i'm a little biased because i started doing the character designs for them like i basically have done the official designs for many of the characters in the book but not until like the third or fourth book in the series when i actually started doing them so i guess that that means i'm not too self-serving i i also <laughs> just got a comic from a an, an independent artist brian del rio sent me a comic you can get on amazon called kaiju kingdoms and it's another comic, it's a comic about medieval kaiju, like various medieval cultures and organizations and religions and stuff. And they all have their own kaiju, and apparently they're all fighting each other. Uh, so that seems pretty fun. Uh, let me see if there's anything else I could squeeze in at the last minute. Uh, oh, yeah! There's a new manga that I want everyone to go read, because it's delightful. Here we go. It, it's, um, <laughs> yeah. It's called Kaiju Girl Caramelis or Caramelise. I think it's French, but it's uh, <laughs> it's it's a manga. It's a shoujo manga drawn, uh, written and illustrated by a shoujo manga artist, which means it's a girl's comic. So it's very pretty and cute and sparkly, and everyone's real cute. <laughs> but it's about this girl, this little introvert, gothy, chip on her shoulder girl. But when she gets all Twitter-pated and has a crush or gets uh, flustered or all horned up or whatever, she turns into a kaiju. I mean, like, full-on <laughs> Godzilla-style monster. There's this whole thing because there's this boy that likes her, and she's, like, closed herself off, So, this, but this boy, like, really likes her, and he's, like, this – he's, like, the class hottie. Like, he's, like, the Instagram star of the class – but he that likes makes you her. hot. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, for Japanese teenagers, yes. And, of course, she gets all Twitter-pated, turns into a full-on kaiju, 
Then this other girl shows up who is a kaiju fan who is in love with her kaiju form but doesn't know that she's the kaiju. <laughs> it's delightfully silly, uh, and I highly recommend everyone go check it out. I was going to yeah. say, that, that's a bit... That's different from the stuff I normally read, but you know what? It's different enough yeah. I might give it a go. <laughs> it, it's really... It's pretty... I have a soft spot for shoujo manga. It's just... It's just... It's just... It, it really tickles the the seven-year-old girl, girl living inside of me. And, um, I mean, for the same reason that, you know, I used to really, really watch the new My Little Pony stuff, because I'm like, man, I love kaiju and monsters and action, but it's nice to watch something that's just kind of sweet and cute. And As the father of a six-year-old girl, My Little Pony has some <laughs> great references in it. Oh, Cause yes. Because I, I have watched a lot of that. I think my favorites are... Um, it's the dude and his cronies. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, in the bowling alley. Oh, it's and then, so good. And then uh, the other one was the Doctor Who episode. That was pretty great as well. Yeah, that they just ended the series. Uh, they just did their finale episode. And the episode was all about how, where they all ended up, essentially. Like, they all kind of, did. they didn't drift apart necessarily. That was the whole episode is about, it's like, you know, whether or not having friends is worth it because what happens when you all drift apart. But it's just, it was, but they didn't drift apart and that's what's beautiful and shut up. I didn't cry. You cried. There's been a tear shed at our house for My Little Pony. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it is but good. Yeah. People, people keep asking, you know, like all these, oh, there are bronies out there. It's so weird. It's like, it really is just a show with a nice, you know, linear it's not linear but you know it has a it has a nice streamlined plot that gets mm-hmm. you through and it's you can follow it and you have to because the demo you know the demographic that it is actually targeting is a young audience but there are enough things thrown in that i feel that it's good but the people who make it are i think i feel that they're very sincere anyways i think that yeah. we've i think we've gone a slight off topic there <laughs> paul Hi. if nothing else what would you recommend yeah i don't have masses of literature for kaiju um i was looking through my shelves earlier and i had um like kingdom monsters um rulers of earth and some walking dead <laughs> and then i thought oh no i've got something that's that no one's gonna, gonna know and um then matt goes and mentions his friend Raphael, and i was like oh oh that was gonna be my suggestion oh wah, um, mine's, wah. but mine's the um the spin-off the um the life life's blood of the earth oh makwa yeah uh, which was just, I think, focusing, yeah, there's, like, a, a big bad that's um, that's being raised, and um, Yuki and, uh, and Kaiju have to go and try and stop it. Because at first, it seemed quite, um, almost like a, like a kid's cartoon, you know, like a Saturday morning cartoon, and then suddenly it, it just turned into an anime where there was, you know, there was the blood and guts and um, Kaiju action. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good read, and it's on Amazon, um, on the Kindle, for about two or three pounds. So I highly recommend that to anyone. There we go. And I will round it off. Um, I usually take a very academic approach, much to the chagrin of my other co-hosts. Um, <laughs> I'm going to recommend uh, a book. It's uh, called Prehistoric Monsters, The Real and Imagined Creatures of the Past That We Love to Fear. And it's by Alan A. DeBoos. And uh, it's great. Um, just to read the back uh, for you, over centuries and discoveries of fossil bones spawned legends of monsters such as giants and dragons as the field of earth sciences matured during the 19th century. Early fossilists gained understanding of prehistoric creatures such as Tyrannosaurus, Triceratops, Stegosaurus. The historical study examines how these genuine beasts morphed in the public imagination to mythical, mythical powerful engines of destructions and harbingers of cataclysm. 
taking their place in popular culture, film, literature, and symbols of lost worlds where time stands still. It's got some great Charles Knight art. Um, Bob Eggleton did a uh, great creature spewing fire, and he's actually taking out uh, Parliament in the U.K., but it, it's full of like great things like inaccurate dinosaurs, uh, King Kong, skeletons that weren't put together in probably the most accurate way, but for the sake of making them cool. But it's a great book, and it really takes you through how we've gotten to where we are. And, uh, yeah, I recommend it. It's a good read. Right yeah. on, right on. I'll say, I dig it. Anyways, uh, thank you very much, Matt, for joining us this evening, um, or this afternoon, wherever you are. Also, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, let us know about any future projects. You know, go ahead and post in the group. We'd love to see all of your art. It's fantastic. Um, you get rave reviews from anybody on our side. You know, I really appreciate you guys bringing me out. And uh, uh, for this uh, little chat here, I'm, uh, I feel like I've said all I really needed to say, you know, just. All right. Paul, closing thoughts, sir? Me or Paul? Wait, who's Paul? You're Paul. 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 He's Paul. Yeah. Paul's quiet. I don't have closing thoughts apart from thank you, Matt, and thank you, everyone, for listening. There we go. Very much so. Well, folks, it's been a pleasure. Good evening, and as always, keep it kaiju. Kaiju Curry House is part of the Heroes Podcast Network and produced by UK Kaiju. You can follow us at UK Kaiju on Twitter facebook and instagram or find us at heroespodcasts.com please consider subscribing to the show on apple podcasts spotify spreaker google play or tons of other podcast services thank you very much me 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 but also you the pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film powder donut Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Small business owners, is your internet making office tasks painfully slow? Are your file upload speeds? Sluggish? Are your video calls ch- oppy? You need more speed. AT&T Business Fiber gives you up to 20 times faster upload speeds at half the price of cable. Faster upload speeds mean smoother, less glitchy video conferencing and faster file transfers. Visit att.com slash business fast or call 844-702-FAST to get our best price on our best service. Imagine it, up to 20 times faster upload speeds at half the price of cable. AT&T experts can help you upgrade to AT&T Business Fiber. Soon, you're going to love your internet. Call 844-702-FAST now. Comparison by Telogical Systems, 12 2020.